Well, Jesus is doing it again. Changing a life, seeking out people in need uh, before faith, before confession, before belief. This is another story of a text that we've been looking at for several weeks now. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The first time we find this text, it's in the end of a conversation with Nicodemus, a religious leader who comes to Jesus at night. It seems to be that he's trying not to be seen by others, but he knows something is going on. There's something about Jesus he hasn't seen before, and he's trying his best to get the math to add up to make sense, and he's struggling so hard to understand what God is really doing. The second time we see it is the text we looked at last week in John chapter 4 where Jesus decides to show his disciples, let me show you what the world means and let me show you what this means about God loving the world. And he goes to Samaria and he seeks out this woman at the well and her life is changed. And today we turn to John chapter 9. This is our story. It's about how we are to respond when something good happens to someone else. And we wish it happened to us. This is our story. It's about when something bad happens to someone else. And we're afraid it might happen to us too. So let's read John chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi. Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? It was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happens so the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work. But while I am here in the world, I am the light of the world. Then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. And Siloam means sent. So the man went and washed and came back seeing. The first scene. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man. And maybe we should just park there for just a little bit. Jesus sees not what his disciples see. And for the moment, the disciples can't see what Jesus is seeing. Jesus sees a man. Jesus sees an opportunity. Jesus sees a life that can be changed and transformed. Jesus sees someone who's been struggling, but before it's over, this is an opportunity for many people to find a different path in life, a chance to see and to understand what God is finally doing. And for the disciples, they want to know who sinned. And having revealed himself as the light of the world, Jesus now gives sight. 
It's part of the common theology of the time and it still trickles down to us and we've talked about this multiple times and this is the understanding of the world in which Jesus lived and Jesus is now going to challenge it. If something bad happens to you, it must be because God is judging you. And if something good happens to you, it must mean that you're righteous and God is blessing you. And there's a part of us that we know that's not the complete story. There's a part of us we know that's not what Jesus taught and demonstrated. It certainly isn't what Jesus experienced in his own life or the early followers of Jesus. And yet we just can't help ourselves when it doesn't work out the way we want it to. Or the way it should when we experience evil and pain and suffering in our lives, one of our first responses is to ask, why me? And what have I done wrong? And why is this happening? And too often we're quick to pull that trigger on someone else. Why has that happened to them? If I can't find a reason, if I can't find a moral reason, then maybe it will happen to me or to my family as well. Who sinned? This man? An interesting question, isn't it? Was it his sin that caused him to be born this way? Who sinned? His parents? And Jesus seizes the opportunity. It's the wrong question. Instead, what we have before us is an opportunity to see a life that's changed. And Jesus makes clay as I think we're supposed to think about the creation account in Genesis where God takes the dirt and pulls it together and shapes a body and breathes life into it. And Jesus spits and makes clay and puts it on his eyes and gives him a simple command to follow. Jesus saw a man. So who saw you? Who looked beyond faults? Who looked beyond mistakes? Who looked beyond things that you kept to yourself? Who saw in you an opportunity? Who saw in you a second chance? Who saw in you what God saw? And who will we see this week? Well, let's keep going with the story. It continues in verse 8. His neighbors, the neighbors of the blind man, his neighbors and others who knew him as a blind beggar ask each other, isn't this the man who used to sit and beg? And some said he was, and others said, no, he just looks like him. But the beggar kept saying, yes, I am the same one. And they asked, well, who healed you? What happened? And he told them, the man they called Jesus made mud and spread it over my eyes and told me, go to the pool of Siloam and wash yourselves. So I went and washed, and now I can see, where is he now, they asked. I don't know, he replied. And in the second scene, Jesus slips away. He is no longer present, and the story continues. And now it's the neighbors who have observed something has happened. Is this the guy? Is, isn't this, is, 
is this, we don't know his name. I wish we knew his name. Is, is, isn't he the one that grew up down the street? Isn't this the little kid we saw? Isn't, isn't this the one who always begs on the corner and sometimes we help and sometimes we walk in the other direction? Isn't, isn't this the guy? And I read this and I want to say, I don't know that I want neighbors like this. Uh, their neighbors, I don't know that I would call it community. Their neighbors, and I see no celebration for the change in his life, doubt and skepticism, and maybe he just looks like the guy that we saw growing up. I, I don't know. And, and the retelling of the story, it gets briefer and briefer. And so tell us what happened. So I'm telling you, this guy, Jesus, Made some mud, put it on my eyes, told me to go wash, and this is what happened. Well, where is he? I don't know. Let's keep going. Then they took the man who had been blind uh, to the Pharisees because it was on the Sabbath that Jesus had made the mud and healed him. The Pharisees asked the man all about it, so he told them, he put the mud over my eyes, and when I washed it away, I could see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man Jesus is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs? So there's a deep division of opinion among them. Then the Pharisees again questioned the man who had been blind and demanded, what's your opinion about this man who healed you? Is that's I find that the funniest line in the whole, what's your opinion about this man? And the man replied, I think he must be a prophet. And now timing is brought into the story. All of this happened on the Sabbath. If it had only been another day, it would have been easier. If it had only been Thursday, if Jesus could have waited until Monday, and yet you all know God's timing isn't our timing. If only this opportunity had come at a different time, if only the struggle had come at a different time, if only my car would have had a flat tire on a different day, if only, if only, if, if only. And yet, here they are. God's timing is not our timing. It's the briefest account of the miracle so far. He put mud on my eyes, I washed, now I see. And the Pharisees' focus isn't on the cure. The Pharisees' focus isn't on this man. There's no hint of celebration among them. They have a problem that they must solve, and it's now a problem of sin. Is the blind man a sinner? Tying into the Pharisees, I mean, the question of the disciples. Are the Pharisees right? Are they righteous? This shouldn't have happened on this day. Is Jesus an imposter, or he, has he really been sent by God? And the Pharisees have a real problem, and it isn't just a theological problem. Now it's become a PR problem. Jesus performed an incredible miracle. They, they have this guy. He couldn't see. Now he can what are they going to say about it? Because if Jesus really was righteous, he would have obeyed all the rules. If Jesus really was from God, he would have been aware. It could have waited one more day. He's too focused on this person. Jesus made clay on the Sabbath. 
that's work. Don't overlook the irony, and John loves it. Don't overlook the irony that on this man's best day, it is the best day of his life. And before it's over, it's the worst day of his life. Same day. Best day of his life, worst day of his life. Same day. Same thing happened. It's not the first time that we've seen this. John chapter 5, there's a man who has been lame 38 years. 38 years, Jesus picks him out of the crowd and heals him. And on the first day that he can walk, he's arrested for walking and carrying his mat. Because it's on the Sabbath. And we start to see a pattern here, not just with the miracles, not just with Jesus caring but Jesus also challenging how people are watching and interpreting. Don't let them get you down. The previous scene is, so who was this man? Where is he? I don't know. And now we've moved to, well, I, I think he's a prophet. The Jewish leaders still refused to believe the man had been born blind could now see. So they called in his parents. They asked them, is this your son? Was he born blind? If so, how can he now see? And the loving, caring, supportive parents replied, okay, that's not part of it. We know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him, He's old enough to speak for himself. We would really rather be left out of this whole affair. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had announced that anyone saying Jesus was the Messiah would be expelled from the synagogue. That's why they said, he's old enough. Ask him. And so now the Pharisees expand the investigation And they are questioning the parents, looking for a solution. Maybe it's right before our eyes. Maybe it isn't as complicated as we thought. Maybe, surely, he can't be a really righteous person. Not no one who is really righteous would do this on the Sabbath day. So let's back up. Maybe the whole thing is a hoax. Maybe the whole thing is set up. Maybe none of this is true whatsoever. And the parents are afraid. Oh, we can can make light of it and we can say, I hope I have more supportive parents and I hope I am a more supportive parent than this, but it, it does hurt, doesn't it, to see that the parents are afraid to speak on behalf of their child and the religious institution is the source of the fear. That the parents are afraid to celebrate the miracle that has happened in their life, the change that's taking place. And and it's the religious leaders who are the source. That the zeal for God has somehow left out the love of God. They still can't see the man as Jesus saw him. So for the second time, the Pharisees call in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. 
I don't know whether he is a sinner, the man replied, but I know this. I was blind, and now I can see. But what did he do? <laughs> what did he do? Tell us one more time. How did he heal you? Look, the man exclaimed, I told you once, didn't you listen? Why do you want to hear it again? Do, do, you, want it? do you want to become his disciples too? Then they cursed him and said, you are his disciple, but we are disciples of Moses. We know God spoke to Moses, but we don't know where this man comes from. Well, that's very strange, the man replied. He healed my eyes, and yet you don't know where he comes from? We know that God doesn't listen to sinners, but he is ready to hear those who worship him and do his will. Ever since the world began, no one has been able to open the eyes of someone born blind. If this man were not from God, he couldn't have done it. You were born a total sinner. Again, there's the theology, born blind, born in his sin, someone did something wrong. You were born a total sinner, they answered. Are you trying to teach us? And they threw him out of the synagogue. But the second time, the Pharisees take a crack at him. Give glory to God, they tell him. Which seems like they're saying, come on, tell the truth. One more time, tell us how this happened. And now this man is moving beyond his fear to getting a bit upset himself. And, well, are, do you want to be his disciple too? Isn't that an interesting phrase? Do you want to be his disciple too? This man is becoming a disciple. In spite of the opposition, in spite of the difficulty, in spite of the abuse, in spite of the doubt, in spite of the hassle in his life, somehow the miracle has not faded, somehow the life, and we're beginning to see the double meaning that John is laying out about who can see and who is blind and who can really see and who is really blind. And he's beginning to understand something of what it means to be a follower of Jesus in spite of the difficulty and the challenges. It's there, isn't it? Do unto others as they would have you do unto you. It's there, those words in red that challenge us. Those words in red that are countercultural. Those words in red that go, no, this is the way you respond it, you're not responsible for them. It doesn't matter how they have responded. We don't do it that way. We're going to do it the way Christ has modeled for us. Which is a good question, isn't it? Do you want to be his disciple too? It is the gift of grace. It is the gift of love we've been celebrating today. It is the gift of forgiveness and salvation, but with that also comes the call to discipleship to follow Jesus on a much larger and deeper mission and a much larger and deeper experience of what it means to be human. When Jesus heard what had happened, 
He found the man. And he asked, do you believe in the Son of Man? The man answered, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. You have seen him, Jesus said, and he is speaking to you. Yes, Lord, I believe, the man said. And he worshiped Jesus. Then Jesus told him, I entered this world to render judgment, to give sight to the blind, and to show those who think they see that they are blind. And now Jesus finds and questions the blind man. Don't overlook the fact that Jesus was in the first scene and Jesus is now at the end of this story, but all in between, Jesus has been absent. And it feels that way some days, doesn't it? Where is Jesus today? This may be the one part of the story that may grab you. This may be the one part of the story that will resonate with you. This may be the part of the story that means to be a follower of Jesus that some days, that turn into weeks, that can turn into months, we walk by faith. I still vividly remember reading the stories of Mother Teresa, the letters that were discovered after her death that she had written with her own handwriting, where she talked about that first experience of having this vision of Christ calling her to India to serve and never having it again. Never again. Long days that turned into weeks, that turned into months, that turned into years. Wanting it, longing for it, at days feeling like she needed it or she would not be able to continue, and never having it again, but walking by faith. And here is Jesus coming in again at the end of the story, this final scene and seeking out this man to assure him, to find him, to connect with him, to be sure now that he understands. It reads a bit like a detective story. There are 14 questions in this story. Go back and count them. 14 questions in this story. And yet the most important one is in verse 35. Do you believe in the Son of Man? And it progresses from the man called Jesus to he is a prophet to if this man were not from God, he could do nothing to finally the simple words, Lord, I believe. And with those simple words, John 3, 16 and 17 leap off the page that the world experiences the love of God. And the religious find themselves blind. A place where we need to camp and think and reflect. The next two verses, I've been wondering, is, is this a new scene? Is this a separate scene? Is this still part of the sixth scene? Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, are you saying we're blind? I keep looking for the right tone for that question. Some Pharisees who were standing nearby heard him and asked, 
Are you saying we're blind? Is it angry? Are, are you saying we're blind? Is it that, whoa, 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 wait, wait a minute. What, are they, are you really saying that we're blind? If you were blind, you wouldn't be guilty, Jesus said. But you remain guilty because you claim you can see. So here we are at the end of an encounter with someone and we still do not know his name. Harassed, struggling, a miracle. What's God going to do next? I wish I knew what happened next. Where did God lead him? Where did he live? What's his new job now that he isn't begging? What's his role within the faith community that's growing? For this is the way God loved the world. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not be lost, but will have everlasting life. It's all we have to offer this morning. That's more than you'll ever need this morning. A morning that turns into a day, a day that turns into a week, a week that turns into a month, and a month that turns into a year, a year that turns into a lifetime. What does it really mean to be you, made in the image of God, discovering life as you've never dreamed it? Let's pray. Lord, we pause and we say thank you that you saw a man. That you see a woman. That you see a child. You see a student. You see a senior adult wondering. You see a lonely person. You see an angry person. You see a person wondering about the future. You see a person grieving over the past. Will you open your arms? Let us rest in you this day. In Christ's name. Will you stand with me as we sing and as we wait in the presence of God? And if we can pray with you this morning, please, please come and be a part of God's vision.